HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We are back for our fall season. Today is Wednesday, September 13th, 2017. This is the 152nd episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding food writer and the founder of an awesome new food-focused travel guide, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to have a great network. Surround yourself with good people who you can rely on for advice, recommendations, and general support, as it will make whatever you do in life easier. Whether you are starting up a business or keeping up with day-to-day work, a strong network will make things better. So as the Beatles say, get by with a little help from your friends. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very excited to have my guest calling in from Los Angeles. It is Carrie Tannenbaum. She is a food writer, digital content strategist, and the founder of Bitesee, an online travel guide and booking platform for food-driven explorers. Most notably, Carrie helped launch Delish.com, MSN, and Hearst Culinary Site featuring recipe chefs, cooking shows, restaurant trends, and food news. Over her writing tenure, she's contributed to publications such as Food & Wine, Food Network, The New York Post and Refinery29, and many more. And Carrie holds, a, a, holds certificates in cuisine and patisserie from the Cor- 
Le Cordon Bleu Paris, and an MA in Food Studies from NYU, where she is an adjunct professor. So hello, Carrie. Are you there? Hi, Cherry. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, how, how are things out in L.A.? <laughs> I, I was going to say, a couple of hours ago it was overcast, so if you were going to say... Uh, how is sunny LA? I was going to say it's overcast, but no. In in traditional fashion, is now clear blue skies. All right. Yeah, we're having a little drizzle here right now. So I I, I do normally. I think everyone normally says sunny LA. So yeah, we have some weather sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. But I wish I was there in person because I really you know wanted to be able to be there in Brooklyn. I know, I know. And you were in New York recently, but um, timing wise, didn't work for us here but you're here on the show and I'm in I'm in Bushwick um (laughs) so let's I I love to start out and find out how people got into the industry and and how how you became a food writer to start so you want to start start with that yeah sure um well you know I didn't have a journalism background which um you know a lot of us don't sometimes you know people have a different kind of writing background but um I had um Basically, I probably had a little bit of writing in my blood. My sister actually launched a magazine in the 90s about um, natural living and organic living. Um, And I had been working in television in the 90s. And then, of course, it's sort of coincidental that we are doing this the week of 9-11 because um, I was working at Nickelodeon at the time in marketing an event marketing, and we had had, like, a conference call, you know, the week after when everyone was sort of back to business but still in a state of shock. We had a conference call with some place, I can't remember who, <clears throat> that was not in New York, and um, that they had some pressure on us to deliver some things, and I just remember they hung up, we hung up our end abruptly just being like, you know what, screw this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what does everybody here in the room really want to do? And I knew for a long time, you know, I had this passion for food and that I really just, you know, wanted to somehow transition into food and into writing, but I don't think I totally knew that at the moment when I had decided that I was going to apply um, to the food NYU Food Studies program, which you mentioned. So um, it was really from that that I, I got into food writing with the first course that I took, actually coincidentally taught by Andrew Carmelini's wife, Gwen Hyman, um, just a couple months after September 11th. Was that, that was it. I took a class in food writing in the master's program at NYU. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that was when and, and how, how you started so then, so then, how did you get your first writing gigs? Because you were you you've been writing for the Food Network for a long time. Um, well, actually, I had worked previously at the Food Network before. So when I left Nickelodeon, I did actually, you know, I I thought, okay, I need a credential in food, and right now I'm in television. So I did transition over to the Food Network, but at that time, I was actually doing um, a sort of what's called ad sales marketing, partnership marketing, creating content on air for the advertisers. Um, but I got into, I got my first writing gig really, I have to say, you know, again, it was through NYU that first, you know, I had, I was really starting my career over, but I took on an internship, which is what, you know, a lot of people um, may or may not really want to do. But um, I was lucky enough to get an internship at Restaurant Business Magazine. And at the same time, um, uh, when I did that, I, you know, a lot of the blogs were sort of just happening. Um, 
Well, I should say at Restaurant Business, they did let me write a little bit of small stuff here and there. And I did write about the Shake Shack, which had first opened as a hot dog cart. And so I got to write a little thing. It's still sort of funny to think about that as one of probably the first real things that I wrote that was published about the little hot dog cart. But but actually, the real thing that I got published, it was through Restaurant Business that I was able to meet. um, I was connected with Andrea Strong. A strong buzz. Writer. Yes. <laughs> strong buzz at the time. And we became great friends. We lived around the corner from each other and we started eating out together. And, you know, she was really a great help in giving me contacts, which is at the top of the show when you talked about networking. You know, it really helps to get someone who can help connect you and believe in you. And so she had offered up some, I think, editors, and I just I, I took a media bistro class. On pitching, I remember and then was able to pitch the New York Post, and one day came home um, to a, a, a message on my answering machine from the editor at the time of I think it was the Sunday paper, Steve Lynch, who basically was like, "Hey, I got your pitch, which I had sent many months before, of course, and we need we have a hole." And we'd like to fill it by tomorrow. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I had a date that night, but I was like, no, I, you know, I, should I do it? Should I not do it? And I sort of knew, you know, you kind of have to do it when they call you because they may not call you again. So that was it. I wrote a story for the New York Post and then went on to write several more for them pretty regularly. That's awesome. Now I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking the things, the tools or, or things I had used. I mean, Media Bistro was big back then. Um, also, I mean, having been in the food studies program at NYU, it was a huge foot in the door for me as well. I remember Mitchell Davis had taught my food writing class and it was like a lead into things with James Beard Foundation. And so I, I think a lot has come out of, out of that food studies program, um, you know, relationships and connections, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like it's very unique. I mean, especially at the time, it was only about five years old, so it was still Mm -hmm. sort of in its infancy. Now it's been around for, say, about 20 years. But Mitchell, yes, very involved back then. He was still doing his Ph.D. at the time when I was there. And um, just even the first contact I had with them, it felt like, okay, this is where I belong because these are my like-minded people. And a lot of people definitely have come out of it, you know, from people in PR like you and – uh, you know, writers, but now it's moved into even more of sort of sustainability and other, you know, hot topics that are happening within the general food world. Yeah, the program's grown tremendously, and they have all those overseas pro- degrees, too, that you can you can travel around. Oh, yeah. I was on the first, the first trip to Italy we took um, with Mitchell, actually. He did lead the trip, and it was, it was pretty fun and pretty educational as well. <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, that, well, that, maybe that travel, that's a little segue into what, what you, what you're doing now. So how, how did you come up with the idea with Bitesy? Bitesy, which, you know, rhymes with sightseeing because that's, uh, (laughs) I consider myself a culinary traveler. I know that you do as well. Um, We're driven by food and, you know, a lot of people now out there, as I was working, you mentioned that I worked at Hearst when they launched Delish mm-hmm. and stayed on there for about six years. Um, you know, all along, I am sort of went on a lot of trips myself and searching for that advice of, you know, where can I really eat like a local, what's up-to-date content, and also things to do because I was enjoying experiential travel as well, which has grown tremendously over the last, you know, seven, eight years. So, um I just felt like there was a void, and I was ready to leave there 
Um, and, and so I was set out to kind of create what I think is going to be helpful to people like me and, and people in our industry and, and, and the growing number of, you know, Anthony Bourdain wannabes. <laughs> and there are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first heard about that you were doing Bitesy and I was like, yes, that's, I, I mean, I'm your, I'm your audience. I'm your, I'm, I'm, I'm it. I mean, I, I, and I was looking on your website and you have one of the first lines about what you're about is we will hop on a plane, bus, train and taxi to save our one, one life changing dish. And I'm like, yep, I would. (laughs) So you're speaking to me and I know you're speaking to a lot of people and that are now everyone, you know, everyone's into food and travel for food. It's, you know, become a big thing. Yeah, but I think the struggle is there is there is great content out there, and I think there is, but there is a lot of content out there, and it's hard to sort of boil it down to, okay, I have three days here, you know, really, where should I eat? So hopefully we're going to become, you know, an authoritative voice that can break through the clutter of all of that, and, um, you know, I myself am fans of a lot of other sites out there, from the Effatuation to Eater and Tasting Table and uh, millions of actually great blogs of, of locals living abroad, but, um, you know, hopefully we can be a, a, a complement to what's already out there as well. Yes, and um, I, th- I think you can. I think those sites are, are, are awesome, and, but there's, yeah, there's, there's more room for advice or, or, or help in help, helping people out. So I want to hear more about uh, how, how Bitesy is, how you started and, and, and where it's going. But before that, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk more with Carrie. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Carrie Tannenbaum. She is the founder of Bitesee, an online travel guide and booking platform for food-driven explorers. And as I was saying before, I am a food-driven explorer. <laughs> um, so, Carrie, I want to I want to find out a little how how you launched the site, and I know you did a Kickstarter campaign. So, so how did how did that work, and 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 um, what was the the your experience? Um, well, I did a Kickstarter first because you know it is really challenging when you're not working for a large corporation like Hearst when we were launching the Delish just to be able to do everything you know that you want to do. So I knew that I needed some capital, and um, you know the Kickstarter just seemed like a great fun way also to get other people involved. You know, the, the one thing with Kickstarter is it takes a crowd, so. Um, and it takes time. I was super lucky because I had thought about doing it, but like right before I thought, okay, I'm going to do it this month, I saw that Food Tech Connect, which is a great organization, they were having like a, a workshop 
being led by Lisa um, Fetterman, who runs Nomiku, like the right. home sous vide company. Um, and she had done two hugely successful Kickstarter campaigns. So I forked up the money and I went to her one day workshop. And I think that was really the, the key to me being able to have a successful Kickstarter because um, it really it takes more time to plan it than uh, you would think. Um, and and so it was, it, you know, it's a 30-day thing. It's 24-7. You have to really reach out to every single person that may have crossed your path because you never know who's going to be the person that's going to put you over um, the limit, uh, you know, including ex-boyfriends. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, uh, it was that was hard. But um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, everyone. Know, literally, them. she, she, Lisa was just like, go after everyone, you know. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to. Um, but you know, that really did help, and it was crazy. And you know, obviously, Facebook helps and all those things. But um, you know, I mean, just as an anecdote, I, I, I like to say that it, it pays to be nice, literally, because um, the one of the best and biggest backers I had was a total stranger uh, that I had met. So yeah, niceness, niceness. I, I, that was a tip of mine at some point. Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would do that tip again. You, you know, <laughs> when you meet someone and how they can help you and you help them. And, and I was really lucky because, you know, obviously I'm a very chatty person. So, um, I, I connected with, um, a gentleman over, coffee in a snowstorm in New York City earlier that year when I really didn't know I was going to do a Kickstarter. And he had a love of restaurants, and so we had a nice exchange over email, and then I told him what I was doing. And um, in the end, he was hugely, um, he was critical for actually me having a successful campaign. So, Yeah, so, so but you did, and, and when, so when were you able to launch the site? So I was able to launch the site this past June. Um, there was, you know, a lot of content that needed to be built and development and design and went through a few rounds of finding just the right people um, that understood, you know, the vision and everything behind it. So we launched in June and, um, you know, we're building content. Sherry, hopefully you're going to add some to it on I'm, your travels. <laughs> I would love to. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board for sure. Um, I, I mean, do you want to talk a little about the different way you have this the site set up, or the different categories? You have some some city guides, uh, get inspired, uh, eat, drink, go sure. do. Yeah. yeah, no. So, I mean, for me, like culinary travel isn't limited to where am I going to eat. So, you know, in addition to bars and hole in the walls and um, listings for restaurants, there's also all those shops, you know, the street food, the the food halls, uh, markets, and all of the things that, you know, listen, you know, I, I love Paris, but I've been there, and I'm not necessarily going to go to the Louvre. You know, I'm going to spend my day going around and eating. So, um, you know, between the meals, there's all these other little things to do, too. So, um, so <laughs> yeah. we do have city guides, <laughs> but within those city guides, there's also information on food tours and cooking classes and shopping the market and cooking classes, um, as well as just from around the world, different longer vacations you can take. For instance, like Peggy Markle, who's been running food 
culinary vacations for, I think, 25 years, it has an amazing trip that's on the site to go to India for, um, I think it's I saw that, or I saw one of your headlines are very clever, and and, and I like them a lot. There's there was one that said the best way to drop ten grand, and it was like to go to India. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need someone. I mean, some of us can do that. And some yeah, of us can't. But um, <laughs> no, if but you get next time anyone, you know, you inherit any money, that should be. Yeah. The top thing on your list to do is to travel with Peggy to India. She really knows what she's doing. Yeah, no, I saw that. I was like, yeah, that sounds that sounds like a good thing to do with ten grand if if I happen to have an extra <laughs> lying around. Um, no, the, the categories are very clever, and you also you have um, you it's helpful. There, there's the the hashtags or the the things like solo travelers and like a local and 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 things that will help people depending on what 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 they're looking for. You know, different yeah. different styles of travel. Too, yeah. So, um, so what, so you, you started out, you have, what do you have now? You have, you started out with Paris and New York city. Yeah. So, um, you know, the big culinary capitals of the world, are you know, I would say, you know, Barcelona, New York, Rome, um, Paris. And those are places that even if you've been before, likely you go back and then, you know, we're growing to, hopefully have, you know, 25 cities by the end of the year that would include everything from Lima to, you know, Austin, Nashville. Um, and, you know, uh, everyone seems to be, everyone this year, and you included, I think, <laughs> is going to Lisbon. <laughs> I did. I went to Lisbon this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've noticed a few people going there, too. Uh, Lisbon was great. It, it was good for solo solo dining as well as I could see being there with other people. And, um, yeah, a strong food scene. Yeah, no, I mean, and I mean, it really is endless because there's always new discoveries and everyone is seeking out that next thing. Um, and then there seems to be always like a, a hot city that, you know, what was it a couple of years ago? Everyone's going to Iceland. Iceland, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and now more and more people are going because those other early explorers went to Iceland. Not that Iceland hasn't been around for a long time, but um, the one thing I can tell you, though, <laughs> is, is working on a travel site, it really just makes you want to go everywhere, and yet I have to spend, you know, 24-7 working on the site, so I'm not always able to go anywhere, which is why it's great to be able to tap into this network that I've had for being in food media for 15 years um, to bring other contributors onto the site, which if anyone's listening, you know, feel free to send me an email. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to, that's, that's good you put it out there because as much as you and I love to travel and go places, it's only, only so many places you can go at, in a year. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so what, what, what's next or you're just, and how do you, how are you like connecting with, let's say tour providers or people? Is that just, are you, you know, is that just through research or referrals or the people um, that you're well, using is, as contributors? You know, it's curated. So, you know, over the years, I personally have been on many tours myself, um, you know, from, going on these tours through Venice of the Bakery to even, honestly, you know, I, I, having had 
to work on this and do more research, I was doing tours in New York as well. I actually ran a tour when I worked at um, for ICE, the Institute of Culinary Education. I ran a coffee tour a couple times. We oh, went really? to different coffee places. Yeah, and I, I would like to do that again. Um, and uh, actually for the Kickstarter, we ran a tour, a prohibition walking tour, which is another tour that's being offered on the site as well. We're going to do that again with Diana Patet, who's, um, who's an expert in all things cheese and cocktails. But um, And with that, you know, we it really starts out in a very good way. I don't want to give it all away, but um, it, it really sets things into the historical context, too, which is a lot of what these food tours do. You know, when you travel to another city, you know, obviously we're saying we're, we're driven by food, but at the same time, what you get on a food tour is also just putting into context the city itself. So I remember in Venice when we were in the Jewish ghetto and getting all of the, you know, the history that I hadn't gotten just from, you know, taking a regular tour through. Um, but even in New York, you can be, you know, a tourist in your own backyard. I took this trip. Um, Scott Wiener runs Scott's Pizza Tours. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've, you know him. He's I know. I mean, I, I, I know of him, I've, I, I'm surprised I haven't met him at this point, but I've known of his tours for a long time, um, and he's he's done very well. He's become very popular. It's a great, I know yeah. it's a great tour. No, I mean you should you should have him on the show. Yeah, because, um, I was thinking of that too. Genius, and he is. A, they just had a documentary on him because he's also a pizza box collector. Um, oh. But I took his tour, and luckily with him, I had connected with him, and he said, take the tour that I'm leading. And it's basically a, a, a bus tour on a school bus with music that's super fun. And, you know, everyone on the tour pretty much was locals from, you know, New York and from Queens and um, Brooklyn, Long Island, Westchester. And we started at Lombardi's, and he taught us all about, you know, the oven and the history behind it and how the crust should be in the bottom and the charring and then we went to Harlem and we went to Queens and you know it was just it was so well done it was so much fun and I thought you know this is one of the greatest things I've ever done and I've lived in New York my entire life you know and I do know about pizza so you know it's definitely the site is not just for if you're going to travel it's also for those who are looking for just something fun and foodie driven yeah experiences in your own city no it's a great point because I think that happens a lot I don't know. I'm living in New York City, and I'm, yeah, I'm not. I mean, the tourists come, tourists come and do things like whatever Empire State Building or things. And I'm like, I, you know, you don't do them yourself because I, you I've live here. <laughs> I did. I have done that. Terrible. Not recently. <laughs> I have done that. But no, it's a good. It's a good point that there are. I mean, there's that, and that you're you're providing these these you know information about all of the the amazing stuff because I know there's there are tons of culinary tours here um in different neighborhoods you know everywhere yeah, no and there's i mean we're adding more and more and um you know there's tours in arthur avenue there's there's cooking classes like um um oh uh well there's one in particular like pizza casa on the lower east side where you learn to make pizza um the authentic way and and you know you wouldn't necessarily discover that walking by you know you might miss it but it it is it's one of those things that's on my list as well <laughs> right no it's it's great and i love i love what you're doing i think the site's awesome so i will look into those more and 
we're going to take another break here and then we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Carrie Tannenbaum of Bitesee, and it is time for my speed round game. So, Carrie, what this is, is I'm going to give you a couple of choices, and you just pick your preference, such as, <laughs> such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Are we starting with that? If you'd like. That's like, that's like a bonus one. Chocolate. <laughs> okay. Cool. You're great at the game. <laughs> okay. So, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Uh, eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Uh, wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Mm, chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Huh, that's been interesting. Um, I think I'm liking the all-inclusive. All right. Uh, that's that's Danny Meyer would like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like Danny Meyer. And, well, we'll see. We'll see if he likes your next answer to this one because he, he, uh, I happen to have as my next one. In and Out Burger or Shake Shack? Oh, honestly, Shake Shack. <laughs> okay, then Dan. I, I, and tell him that this Santa Monica location is better than the one even um, in 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 really? Madison Square Park. Yeah. Okay. It is. Yeah. He's got. A, how many does he have in LA now? Three. Uh, yeah, we have two and one that's coming. I think. Yeah, he's gonna have like twenty in no time. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm happy about that, though. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so um, a few more. How about tour groups or solo travel? See, that's tough because I like solo travel, but then integrated and augmented with a day maybe with uh, on a food tour. Okay, so it's a combo. Yeah, I like combo. <laughs> How about cheese plate or dessert? Oh, dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Easy one. And last, Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Los Angeles? Oh, don't do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's very hard to be bi-coastal because, you know, you need more money. Manhattan, Brooklyn, are we talking about food only? (laughs) It's your interpretation of the Hey, everyone, I have to say that Los Angeles, we know that all the New York chefs are coming out here, so... Let's say that Los Angeles right now is kind of winning in the food category. Okay, it is a happening place, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, there is a lot going on in the food scene. Okay, cool. That was the game. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> 
So industry news uh, it came out last week. There was an article, many articles, but this one was in the New York Times, entitled Graydon Carter to End 25-Year Run as Vanity Fair's Editor. This is by Michael Grinbaum. And so Graydon Carter, yeah, 25 years Vanity Fair. And uh, he's leaving. Um, he, he's... Uh, you know, it's it's he wants to leave when at a time when you know it's up and and all positive, but it's um, you know he's he's established himself as a, a celebrity in his own right, um, being at, at the front of this this magazine. I thought this was an appropriate thing to me talk to you about as as a writer. Um, so what do you what do you think? I mean, I think yeah. There's I mean, when I worked at Hearst. Um, Oh, right. You know, you would see Helen Gurley Brown every once in a while, still walking out of there. Um, and obviously, I mean, she wasn't; she was more a figurehead, I guess. But um, yeah, it, I think it makes sense. I think that he should do something that he enjoys, and he's probably had a nice amount of time there to do everything he wanted to do. We know that he opened, you know, restaurant in the past, so who knows what's next. Um, it says that he's taking a, quote, garden leave. Right. A six-month garden leave, which, whatever that means, sounds nice. Oh, yeah. In Provence. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he wants to write something for you. <laughs> what to do in Provence while you're there. Well, he needs to know he should take the glass so you can stay in Julia Child's um, country home there and, and take a week-long cook program so well if he's listening then i hope so <laughs> yeah no he's i mean it's 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 been an incredible run and 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 he's covered you know i mean covered a lot in 25 years um and i think waverly Inn, he's still running running that as his restaurant um i don't know we'll see if he opens more restaurants or yeah. goes in that direction he could we'll also have to wait and see who who replaces him you know there was this article said something about maybe they're speculating like Adam Moss from New York Magazine or Joanna Coles from Hearst. Um, it's like yeah. a high power position. So Sure. Yeah. And Janice Min, I think, was the other one. Yeah. It was Janice Min, Hollywood reporter. You're right. Yeah. So, okay. Well, <laughs> good for him. Good for him. And he also has a salary. He's doing quite well there. And yeah. his, his garden <laughs> leave will be lovely. Yeah. So, um that was one article. And the other one today in the New York Times, so Pete Wells reviewed a pizza place. I wonder if, if Scott's Pizza uh, Tour has this on it. But um, it's a place in, in Jersey, in uh, Jersey City called Raza, and he gave it three stars. And he said, as the title, is New York's best pizza in New Jersey. And it was a good read talking with, with Ed Levine of, of Serious Eats, who was his 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 dining companion at least once and and Ed kept asking him like is this the best pizza in New York City in New Jersey like are you going to write that and he, he kind of sort of did so yeah yeah no I mean well we know that there's an endless um, the appetite for pizza for New Yorkers is insatiable right mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah um, but the question will be you know well People go over to Jersey City. I'm sure you know they will have a following. We know that um, Porta started, I think, in Asbury Park, and it gets you know great reviews as well. So maybe there is a pizza thing happening in Jersey now. Yeah, no, I remember I had Katie Parla on my show a while back, and she's from Jersey. She lives in Rome now, but I remember her. She was going to Raza, I think, like 
over her visit. I remember hearing about it and, and knowing it, it has amazing pizza. I haven't been out there yet. I'm sure my parents listening are like, you haven't been someplace and <laughs> to try? I'm like, well, I got to get out there now. Um, I mean, Jersey City is, is not hard to get to from Manhattan, but it is, you know, it 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 is you you know you got to plan for it so i yeah i would like yeah. i would like to go and try it i mean i will go with you except maybe not until i get back so you go once and then you can go okay again. well we'll see when you get back i could maybe i could maybe hold off i've hold off he's okay. been open five years <laughs> i haven't been yet but it sounds it sounds amazing i mean it's this wood-burning pizza and and the reason pete was saying um it was so good was because it excels at both the dough and the toppings. It just has like a winning combination all around. So it's, I mean, it, it made me and I think tons of people want to go. Um, it's a bold statement to give it three stars, you know, it's a big, a big reveal. Yeah. I mean, I have to add too, that we're having a pizza moment here in Los Angeles. And, um, I agree about the dough and the crust and the one, here that everyone's buzzing about and Jonathan Gold said was the best pizza he has had outside of Italy <laughs> is Pizzana, which is actually run by two guys who are from Naples. But um, it's definitely, I mean, here it's, it's you know, we have Moza that was the Batali mm-hmm. Bastianich um, uh, Silverton machine, and that's been around for 10 years, but now for whatever reason, it's, it's, we're catching up to New York where these Neapolitan pizza places are opening, and I'd say Pizzana, if you're, next time you're here, that would be the place to go for pizza. All right, I'm down for it. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm actually working with a, a very famous pizziola from Naples. His name's Gino Sorbillo, and he's got, like, the number one pizza place in, in Naples and other locations in Italy, and he's opening the, uh, in about a month on the Bowery. So I have a pizza client, and I think his pizza's amazing. Um, so, and, like, Polly G's, and there's, like, we have, we have awesome pizza here. But, yeah. Um, yeah, pizza in L.A., having a moment, I'm, I'm due to come out there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and gelato, too, because we have... Uh The first, this is crazy to me, and it's in my own little neighborhood, the first outpost of the most famous gelateria in Rome opened walking distance from my apartment. So I'm in a lot of trouble, but I'm also (laughs) like, hmm, what does this mean? What's it it called? Do you know the name? Fata Morgana, yes. Okay. Yeah, pretty Uh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, now I'm hungry. And uh, (laughs) uh, we're going to take another break. Before we do, I just want to also just mention another article in the New York Times today that I I thought was a great read that and I was I was glad to see it was uh, there was a big feature story on Drew Neporant. Uh, outstanding restaurateur. Um, It was written by Alan Richmond. I think it's it's worth a read. if people want to look out for that. And then I also just want to give a shout out to Taste Talks, which was this past weekend. They had this great conference in Brooklyn and Tasty Awards, and there were tons of amazing panels, and Heritage Radio had been nominated for the nonprofit category in in the Tasties. Um, They didn't get it. It went to Share Our Strength, which is an awesome organization, but it's awesome to be nominated, and and the whole thing, um, it was fun, and... uh, uh, a good time. So thank you, Taste Talks. And on that note, we're going to take one more break, come back and do my solo dining experience and uh, the final question. So this is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Amas. Here's the rundown. The location, Regshalavev 153, Copenhagen, Denmark. Or otherwise, I would say, it's located in what is known as the edgier, lesser-known part of Copenhagen on the harbor. The concept, modern Danish cuisine utilizing produce sourced from its garden, and according to its website, it says a holistic approach to food that not only prioritizes its guests and gastronomy, but also the environment and future as an industry. So the chef, Matt Orlando. Now, why did I go? Because I was solo traveling in Copenhagen. It was my first time there, and I had heard fabulous things about Amas and its ever-changing menu. So my experience. So I arrived for my 1 p.m. lunch reservation. I was seated at a large one-top table near the windows and facing the open kitchen in the spacious restaurant. Now, I didn't, um, I didn't have to make any ordering decisions because uh, it's a tasting menu, um, except for beverages. The staff was lovely. The vibe it was a quiet place. There were some other solo diners there as well, and it was relaxing. Now, what did I get? So a four-course tasting menu, and there were extra courses as well. They included fermented potato bread and vegetable dip, crispy pancake, fresh cheese, spring onion, and wormwood oil. There was tomato red currant beet Douglas fir pine. There was chicken radish, fennel, plum, and caramelized milk. And there were two desserts, and one of them was s'mores. Yes, s'mores. It's delicious. And to drink, I had sparkling water, and I also had a glass of refreshing apple and fennel juice. Mm. So my take... Uh, Super lovely presentations, utilizing fresh vegetables from the outside garden, which I could see from my seat. Unique flavor combinations that really worked, and it was the right amount of food for a tasting menu, because I find some tasting menus sometimes to be a little too much. Um, but it was everything was delicious, and the s'mores as the finale was like, put me over the top. The ambiance. So it's a cool, airy, industrial space. It has high ceilings. So you actually enter on the second floor, which is overlooking the space, and it's above the open kitchen, and then you walk down into this, like, it's, it's industrial. It's, a, it's cool. It had a very cool vibe to it. And then in the backyard, you can see they have all these windows, and you, you see the garden, which is alongside um, the waterfront in Copenhagen. So it's a, it's a really nice setting. I'd say it's perfect for food lovers who appreciate contemporary technique and fresh produce. Interesting tidbit. So Chef Orlando, a former Noma head chef who was originally from San Diego and has cooked in New York City at Per Se and some other restaurants, and his wife, who works in the front of the house at Amas. So I asked about if they were there that day, and they were not because apparently they had a baby the day before. So I wanted to wish them congratulations. Sorry to miss them, but it's a very good excuse. Personal fun <laughs> fact. So I did as the locals do when I biked to the restaurant, and it was the best way to get around. I had a really good time biking in Copenhagen. So the cost of, the, of this meal was $141 U.S., that's converted, and including everything. Would I go back? Yes, I would. And their website is amasrestaurant.com. So I, I, heard, I heard little signs of you there, Carrie. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It was, really, it was a really great meal. Um, yeah. No, it's on the list now. 
Yeah, and it was uh, of we you know mutual food friends who who had recommended it, and and everyone everyone said it was it was an amazing place, and I I agree it was special. So uh, I'm glad I went. Yeah. So that was Copenhagen, and uh, now it's time for the final question. So next week, my guest is Andrew Knowlton, and I had announced in before the, the my last show before the summer that Andrew was going to be on. Um, I thought it was going to be today, but we pushed it back to next week. So he's going to have two questions. I'm going to ask you if you can ask a question for people who don't know, Andrew is the deputy editor of Bon Appetit magazine, and they just came out with their BA top 10 hot list of the hot 10 restaurants in the country. Um, so I'll have to be talking to Andrew about that. So Carrie, what would you like to ask Andrew? Andrew, um, first of all, Andrew, I actually met many, 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 many years ago, and I haven't really seen him much since, but we were at the Little Owl when it first opened in, like, gosh, I don't know, when Gabriel Stolman was still there, and he hadn't opened anything else. So, um, And I love what Andrew does for Bon Appetit. It's really, really great. Uh, My question for Andrew is, it's sort of like a living or dead or both, um, what meal would he construct from any restaurant, living or dead, beginning with the appetizer, <laughs> uh, entree, and dessert? So his three-course meal designed by three different chefs from restaurants that are living or dead. Wow, I love it. I thought, I thought <laughs> you were going... I this game with my friends sometimes, with one of my food-loving friends, his name is also Andrew, um, and uh, and we were going to make a board game out of it. But I think it's just it, we can just do it over, <laughs> over this question with Andrew Knowlton. Well, I thought I thought you were going to go with the the um, when people ask who you want to dine with, you know, living or dead. Yeah, but I've never I've never heard this this yeah, question what, before. Yeah. It's well, original. And it can be a meal. It can be a, a something, you know, I want to have the pearls and oysters from per se to start. I want to have, you know, um, for me, there's just so many places that are gone now, you know, that you sort of lament um, right. these old places. So I'd be more curious to hear what places that he misses in that answer. Yeah, that's that's great. Do you, do you have your your three or does it change all the time oh my gosh yeah that's true um what is mine i can't remember it's the last time i was asked it what i thought i think the one thing that i always think about is um this meal i had in portofino oh god it was a long time ago but it was just these langoustines and you know you eat them with your hands and they you know it's just, it's just like a whole thing but first they feed you two pasta dishes and then the langoustines and then you have dessert and then you have the digestivo digestivo and then you have espresso you know it's just that meal but i always was curious what 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 did they put in that that sauce that broth it was like so addicting and it really made your hands really smooth <laughs> <laughs> okay so, yeah <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say that either, but that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, great. That's a great question. I will ask him. I will ask him if he remembers you from Little Owl. <laughs> um, probably not. <laughs> so never, know, never know. Never um, know. So that's great. Well, that's the show. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on, and congratulations on 
everything you've done and with launching Bitesy, I, I think it's amazing and I, I look forward to seeing it grow and, and any way I can contribute, I'm, I'm there. Yes, I really would love that. Thanks for having me, Sherry. You're welcome. Um, I'll see you back in New York or maybe in L.A. soon. <laughs> Yeah, or somewhere else. Or somewhere else, true. <laughs> cool. Somewhere in between. Yes. So uh, my guest today has been Carrie Tannenbaum. She's a food writer, digital content strategist, and the founder of Biteseat, an online travel guide and booking platform for food-driven explorers. Her website is biteseat.com. That's B-I-T-E-S-E-E.com. And on social media at Biteseat. On social media, I'm at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. You can find me there, and you can also find all of our archive shows at HeritageRadioNetwork.org, and we are on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can subscribe, and you can leave reviews, too. You can do all this fun stuff. <laughs> so go, go to iTunes, subscribe to my show, and, and leave me a review. I'd love to love to hear what you think after 152 episodes. So um, thanks again to Carrie and to my engineer today, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 p.m. with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. 